Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're all ready. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, let's yeah. go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talking, they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here gonna show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. It's all about that BS, baby. What's up, BSers? What's up, peeps? Fred, Scott, and James in the studio tonight as uh, Drew has the night off. It was a Wednesday night. A little Wednesday week. night, right? A little bit of a different night. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Drew. Happy birthday, buddy. Birthday, boy. Uh, out on the town celebrating the night. Yeah. Good on him. Uh, man, it's uh, it's been a little bit since you've been behind the mic, right? Obviously, you were on vacation in yeah. uh, much cooler waters up in Alaska. Vacay mode up in Alaska. How was the trip? Uh, it wasn't bad. The, the temperature actually up there was like, I think the lowest that it got was like 55. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't bad at all. Uh, the last day, it actually got up to 80. It was We were out by the pool. Oh, <laughs> on that's the, the deck. Like, Every was, picture I saw, you had some kind of long sleeve shirt on or jacket so on. The one, the one that we had on, it was, well, that's what, most of what we brought, first off, was because yeah. we weren't we weren't sure. You dress in layers. They tell you that. But the one that you that you're probably afraid of, where I was in a long white like yeah. uh, white shirt, uh, that we were right by the glacier, so it was a little cooler there. I'm sure. Um, but in gorgeous sights, uh, saw tons of, of different animals and wildlife. Uh, if you ever get the chance to go, it's amazing. The towns, like the gold mining towns, we went to Skagway. Like when you think of gold mining town, like I'll, we'll have to get Carrie to show you later. It, you, you think of this picture that she's going to show you yeah. because it looks like a gold mining town. It just naturally has that feel and that look to it. You got to enjoy quite a bit of alcohol, too, and even before you got there. I guess you were uh, in Seattle at that point. Yeah, right? we, we were in Seattle walking around, which uh, I'm just going to say, uh, I, I know that some people hate the homelessness and the, the drug problems that we all know are in Baltimore City. Yeah. We ain't got fucking nothing on Seattle. Which is crazy to me, because I had always heard, like, Seattle was, like, this really clean city. and It was. You know, it was. But I guess it a lot has changed. It was. Uh, literally, there were spots on the interstate you looked down, you thought it was a junkyard until you saw people moving around in, like, little tents. Uh, because it was it was that bad. Like, all on the streets, just... Tough uh, times for people they, right now, they, man. They were, let's put it this way. Every every 10 to 20 feet, you had the drug lean going on. No way. Uh, you know, so, yeah, it's it was crazy. But, yeah, no, we, we actually we walked around Seattle for a little while the first day that we were there. Um, and then... We, we actually found a bar uh, that they were a whiskey bar. Yeah, it was pretty cool looking. 450 different whiskeys from all over the world. How you um, were able to walk out of that bar is amazing. We just me. we just <laughs> did the, the samples. That's all we yeah. did. We did the sampler. It's a whole uh, lot of samples, 400 samples. Yeah, well, we, we only did 10 <laughs> samples and we split them, so it wasn't too bad. But yeah, no, it was, it was a good time. If you ever have the chance to go up there... Amazing views. It's once in a lifetime. I, you know, I joke about that, but now my wife is like, I wouldn't mind going back. I'm right. like, oh, so it's not once in a lifetime. <laughs> it's even better. Uh, but no, great, great time. Fun people. We were hanging out with with some friends of ours, so we had a, a really great time. Was actually That's good, man. Was on a train when you guys started the show. Uh, wow. So yeah, was sitting there. Actually, no, I was on the bus to the train uh, <laughs> when you guys started the show. So I was literally like trying to chime in a little bit, and then 
had no signal after yeah. that. That's so. cool, man. Well, glad to have you back. Yeah, uh, I again, missed a lot. It is on Wednesday. We gave you an extra day to kind of get your wits about you. I know you had a lot of things going on. Very much appreciated it. Yeah, you needed the extra day. <laughs> uh, but, man, um, a lot's happened in the week. And the Ravens family, yeah. in particular, hit with tremendous Tremendous, immense tragedy uh, as we look back this tonight on two lives gone way too soon. Yeah, I, I got that news. We'll talk about it in a little bit. And it was like, wow. Shocking. Uh, Unbelievable. Uh, but look, on the flip side of things, uh, we got a, got to see a rare interview this yeah. past week. Uh, Adam Marlon Humphrey doing an interview with the one and only Steve Bashotti, owner of the Ravens. Uh, and we're going to discuss some of the key takeaways from that. It was God, it just proved to me that Marlon's got a life after football. Yeah, Marlon's pretty good behind the microphone. And Steve Bashotti just fascinates me as a, oh, as a person, right? So I always yeah. like to – you don't hear him very often. It's rare. Uh, so I always like to hear his takes on things. I'm so. interested to get your takes on some of the things he said, yeah. too. The Orioles, man, staying hot on the road. It's been a couple of names in the rotation you wouldn't expect to be leading the way. Yeah. So we're going to talk all things Orioles, even though they did get a little bit spanked today. Uh, that's all right. They're doing really well, and we're going to have a lot to cover with that. And sorry, uh, I, I know that we see some people say it. It sounds like we, <laughs> we're on a 2010 Android phone. Uh, we're, we're going live from Drew's phone today. Uh, no, <laughs> but we, we did have some technical difficulties, so if we sound a little off, uh, we apologize, but we'll, we'll uh, figure it out for next week. So, huh? Interesting. All right. Well, yeah. Up with our I guess this is this is my my turn now. Uh, remember that team over at MD Crash? We've been telling you guys about them for I don't know how long now. They've been a sponsor of ours for years at this point. Uh, well, again, they've expanded. They got more lawyers. They're handling a much broader spectrum of cases now. They're still handling all of your auto accidents and injuries at, at work, of course. Now the team at Bowers is on and heard and can help you with family law, family law issues from divorce to custody to child support, etc. And even criminal cases. Talk about that traffic. Talk about the murder. You want to commit homicide, murder, whatever, manslaughter. <laughs> they can protect you. They can they can work for you. Give them a call or text them at 667-220-6500 at any time for any of your needs. So save that number now. Again, that's 667-220-6500. And again, you can call or text uh, at any time to get Bowers, Hassan, and Herndon on the case for you. All right, fellas. Uh, it is time for some Ravens talk. And as I said, things got real dark in Ravens Nation after last week's show. I uh, woke up on Wednesday to hear about the passing of two of our own. Um, we'll start with uh, the, early of the, uh, the early news in the day. Um, Jalen Ferguson, man, a guy who, to me, looked primed to have his best year of his career. Guy who came into OTAs and minicamp in the best shape of his life, according to many, you know, people that have been watching him. Some saying he looked like a new man. Um, it's just unfortunate, man. A, a guy that uh, former third round pick, keenly known as Sack Daddy. Yeah. Jalen Ferguson, gone at the age of 26. I saw that news. Like you guys said, I, I actually got it later um, because I you guys were in the chats and I we, we finally hit the port. So I got kind of got the, the our group chat started ding, 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 ding. And I, I forget what statement it was, but one of you guys made a statement of like two in one day, this is fucking crazy, it's devastating, or something like that. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? So I'm like, I couldn't text because it, the signal was just bad, but I was able to get the, I was still able to bounce the signal off the the boat. So I'm sitting there going, okay, what, like what's going on? So I do a Raven search or an Oriole search, and nothing major is coming up. And I search Ravens, and the first one 
that hit was actually the second one that we found out about. Yeah. But then I go and I look and I see the other picture of Jalen, and it was just crazy. Um, it crazy to see, crazy to hear, uh, so shocking um, at somebody so young. And, and look, we're not we're not going to sit here and we're not going to speculate what's going on because none of us have the facts. Yeah. None of us are police officers. We weren't there. Let that come out when it comes out. Don't be sitting here speculating. None of us know. But, unfortunately, he did leave a family behind. He did. Uh, he left two children and his wife. Um, I know he's had some struggles here recently, um, you know, with going family. Through a lot. Going through a lot. The, the house caught, catching yeah, on fire. Yeah, the house that. catch fire. Um, you know, he had his grandmother pass away, which I, everything I'd heard was his grandmother was the one who kind of raised him, was kind of the mother figure in his life. Right. Um, yeah, had some personal things going on. I know he had his own personal demons with depression battles and ADHD as well. Uh, again, no speculation as to what happened, but uh, yeah, it's just it's tragic, man. A guy who, you know, you you think when you you look at the grand scheme of things, you think somebody's got their whole life ahead of them. They got everything going good for them. They're making all this money. They're a professional athlete and all that stuff. Just goes to show that money doesn't buy everything, man. And uh, things things can happen in people's lives. Go ahead, James. Uh, I just want to say I hate when people speculate. Yeah. And I also hate when they say uh, between mini camp and reporting to training camp, they have six days off, they run wild and all that. This can happen anytime. Like yeah. it can happen during the season. It can happen after season. I hate when when they're like, Well, you know, you have the mini camp and then you have that break and that's when they go out of control, they put weight on and this and that and they do whatever they want. They they they're like free, they can do what they want. It's not about that. This could happen anytime. It's just tragic. It happened when it did. And we just hope that, you know, people can move on. But I hate when people just speculate, oh, oh, oh he, he was a drug user, this and that. And we talked about mental health is nothing. If you don't know anything about it, it has nothing for you to put your two cents and, and, and assume because no one knows what that person exactly. is. Exactly. 100%. I mean, I've been very open about my struggles with depression and all that stuff, too. So, like, I, I can relate to it. I understand it. Uh, but nobody knows what everybody's individual struggles are. Um, it's just sad, man. This is a guy who, you know, like I said, his nickname was Sack Daddy, man, at, yep. at Louisiana Tech. I mean, put up un unbelievable numbers. Broke Terrell Suggs' uh, NCAA record for sacks with 45. Uh, 187 tackles. I mean, he had basically his stat sheet was unreal at yeah. college. I know, you know, a lot of people were kind of disappointed and waiting for him to break out at the NFL level. And like I said, I mean, everything you'd heard was that he came into camp in his best shape of his life and all that. And you were hopeful for him uh, for this season. Uh, it's just sad, man. And, you know, speaking of sad, I, people out there and, you know, and Twitter and social media sharing their own thoughts and feelings on everything and retweeting things. And I came across a video, a highlight video of him uh, sacking Dwayne Haskins, you know, of all people. And if that doesn't put in perspective of just how fragile life can be, I mean, I don't know what does. Yeah, no. It it's it's one of those things, and, and and William, no, we weren't we weren't addressing your comments on that. We were just simply saying like there's a lot of speculation going on in social media. And no, yeah, it's just not our place to do that. And and uh, you know, the other thing when it comes to stuff like that, you're it's it's kind of disrespectful for those that do you know go out on social media and blasting and stuff like that. And well, you got people out there with their own motives and talking about vaccines, yeah. and that was a reason. Whatever, man, yeah. just I just stay away from all that. <laughs> exactly, there's no reason for it. 
So, but yeah, it, it, it definitely it definitely hit hard, especially with the you know the youth there and and having you know as 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 much as you guys you know uh, joke around about the, the the sometimes moments where I you know I, I point to my son and things like that, like you know he left kids. Yeah, I, I do I do think about that. I was in a situation yesterday where a, you know a child was potentially involved in you know almost losing their their yeah. their their parent, and I can not going to get into it all, but it was it it, it hit it hit hit me hard it yeah. you know fred and i were talking about it before the show and i can only imagine the family here uh of jalen especially being so young for his age his um, kids and, and are having so young yeah it, it's just it's just crazy and to every, see everything you ever heard about him was he was just a high character guy a good dad you know put yeah. put family first um you know you never heard anything negative about i love him. the picture of him and the family like he's in the nice yeah. like gray suit the kids are in the matching matching outfits sad, like man. yeah it's just sad and again you know not to keep the, the sad train going here but i mean just hours after everybody's trying to digest this this youthful player that we are all kind of like oh it seems like he's coming into his own well Rumors started floating around social media that there was another Raymond or another Raven that lost their life, and it turned out to be true. When uh, I think it was E, um, not E, um, uh, TMZ that actually broke that Tony Saragusa had passed away at the age of fifty-five. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. First, you, you just you didn't want to believe it. I mean, no. you, you didn't want to believe the Jalen Ferguson news, but then to to get that news back to back, you're like, that, no. there's no way. Like this is like somebody being playing an awful social media joke, which we see it all the time, right, exactly. especially with social with you exactly. know like celebrities' lives and all that stuff. But two in one day, like that's just there's just no way. Um, but Goose, man, he was a larger than life kind of guy, man, and 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 he had one of the most infectious personalities to ever really don a Ravens uniform, in my opinion. Oh, um, it's just, it's just awful, right? Everything that you ever think of about Tony is just a high charisma kind of guy, just an entertainer, uh, and beyond just being a very good football player, seemed like the type of person you could always. You always wanted to be around, right? It, yeah. it, like the yeah. the personality wasn't an act. It wasn't you know just for the cameras. Like that's who he was in person. Um, and he could tell you the sky was blue, you know, and it would make you laugh just yeah. because of the way he there's, you know presented. There's a reason Fox hired him at one point. Yeah, like he he was he was infectious. To your point, the the, the picture that was up in in the background uh, on our opening image. I just got to throw it back up. You know, the the the, the old Mickey shirt of him yeah. out there on the field with the Mickey shirt on. Uh, you know, I also think I was telling you. Oh, of course, I hit the button and I forget it does that. Uh, but no, like you. Uh, I think about him, and I also remember when they won the Super Bowl and all the interviews he did with the upside down visor yeah. and, you know, it off to the side and the big goofball personality. Even when he was on Fox, he was doing the games. Uh, and on Hard Knocks, man. The, yeah. The original Hard Knocks, which, and I know we're going to be a little bit biased because we're Ravens fans, but in my opinion, still the best Hard Knocks to ever be on the air. It was the original one, the OG. Uh, but the, the the personality between him and Shannon Sharp and the back and forth pranks that they played on each other, man, it's just it was it was it was goose. It's who yeah. he was as a person, uh, and you can see that again in all the all the posts on social media from former yeah. players, coaches, people that have been around Tony, and and just how devastating of a loss. You know, he is somebody who has a family history uh, of cardiac issues. Uh, his fa I think his father passed away at. 48 he passed away so at, younger, a real, yeah. at a really young age 
Uh, and actually, he had he had was on a show and they had asked him about that, like you know, being a bigger guy. Your father passed away at forty eight. Do you ever like, think about do it? Do you ever yeah. think about it? And he was like, you know what? He's like, I've lived a great life. Mm-hmm. He's like, my kids are in a good spot. He's like, I'm on borrowed time. You he, know, if, if it happened, it happened. He so. was that type of guy that he lived his life to the fullest every day. He made people smile around him. Uh, you know, everybody loved when he was on Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a perfect personality uh, for that show. Oh, 100%. <laughs> perfect look, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, he. He just was he he was so entertaining again. It, you know, I even think again, I was starting to say this a minute ago. Um when he was on Fox, coming out in the fur coats. Yeah. Right? Or uh the turkey game, the right. turkey bowl game, the, the big old turkey leg, right? Yeah. Him interviewing guys and having fun down you know, walking up and down the sidelines. Like You know what's crazy too is like he he only played two years here in Baltimore, but it felt like he played here so yeah. much longer. Cause you really think of Goose. As a Raven, I know he played a lot more years with the Colts, but you think of him as a Raven. He he helped win a Super Bowl here. He really was a he was a he was a key cog in winning that Super Bowl. And (laughs) And the dance that he had, the sack dance, the goose dance. Oh man, yeah, he was just a good guy. Just it's tragic again to lose two of those guys. Um, It's 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 hard, and you know I can only imagine what everybody, not only just their families, but their friends and their former teammates and their current teammates, you know, at what they're going through. And I mean, everybody in the organization, I mean, you got to remember yeah. so when they won that first Super Bowl, you know, Steve Bashotti had become part owner. And we're going to talk about Bashotti in a little bit, but you know, it was, there's, he had an impact. Goose had an impact across the board. Uh, Jalen, even still being young, it was just, you know, he's been here three years. It's one of those things. It's just two lives too early. And to, to hit in this, like, it sounds weird, but, like, I also don't think it would have been any better if it would have been days apart versus yeah. hours apart. No, I know. It's just. Didn't, didn't also Goose, uh, didn't also Goose break Rich Scanlon's nose during the playoffs? Not his nose. He, like, broke his collarbone or he separated his shoulder is what he did. Uh, he got, he, yeah, he sacked him in that playoff game yeah. and he just kind of, like, pancaked <laughs> on top of him or whatever. I mean, it is what uh, it is. That, that happened in but football. But you can't do but, that anymore now. No, you can't Nick, do that anymore. Nick, you're, you know, you're, you're somewhat right on that. I mean, they, they've got, uh, I think this is going to, I think there's going to be something here that's going to motivate this team. In yeah. more, in an unfortunate way, in more ways than one, that's going to, I think you're going to see some guys play a level that maybe we weren't expecting. I think this team had a lot to play for going into this year, prior to any of this happening, and now this just now they're gonna they're gonna play in puts an, a whole another spin on. They're gonna play in the old man out. the old man's honor and the young, the young bucks memory. Yeah. Like that's that's the way that I think about it, and I, I actually thought about that. So I'm glad you kind of said that, Nick, because it, it it really is. It, it's they already had so much to play for, and now this, you know, you you, you kind of step back and you can only imagine what all the players are feeling, right? Right, yeah. uh, especially the younger players that you know that have been around and been around Jalen, you know, and, and kind of seeing all the things that, that he went through. I mean, he, again, like we said, he was a third round pick. Or he was he we didn't talk about all of his accolades, but he had a ton of accolades, not yeah. just the forty five sacks, but twenty eighteen Kusa Defensive Player of the Year. Right. You know, this was a this was a kid that had, to your point earlier, a high ceiling. And it's just unfortunate, sad that we actually aren't gonna ever be able to witness that ceiling. Yeah, it is. So well you had mentioned it, um Marlon Humphrey, the whole Studio 44 <laughs> podcast that he has. On a, on uh, a brighter note, like yeah. Marlon has a career 
after football already, and he's only what? How many years in now? Like yeah, right. Seven, six, six years I don't in. I think he's that far in. Five, but six, somewhere. Yeah, it just each show gets a little bit better. And when they released the teaser that Bashadi was going to be on the show, man, it, it caught my attention because mm-hmm. again, Steve Bashadi doesn't talk publicly very often, but when he does, you listen, right? Because he's he's just a smart he's guy. He's very controlled. He's very he, yeah, but he's smart and he's very you know upfront and honest. Like he doesn't yes. he doesn't sugarcoat anything. Um, you know he he'll he'll tell you kind of how it is, um, and he's just super intelligent, right? So it's it's yeah. it's fun to listen to him. Um, and it, you know they they had some interesting conversation on here. Uh, I know he talked about being an owner um, and and what that means to him and kind of how the whole process worked for him when he bought into the organization. Yeah. You know he he basically was an intern uh, for three years. You know yeah. he the the way it worked was he was an invested intern. <laughs> he was the minority owner for the first three years. Uh, and he had planned that out and he said, you know, that was going to be the progression of things. He didn't want to take over full ownership being a rookie to being an NFL owner. Cause but, he, yeah, but he, he was also smart when he made that deal because he, and he talked about it. He made the deal with the option to buy the team exactly in full from art. And you know, it's the first three years, first really four years he spent sitting back and watching and listening and learning, um, and I think, you know, the, the fourth year is the year that they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, you know, he got he talked about the, that means something to him. You know, that year, that season means something to him because he he openly said if he wouldn't have bought the team, who knows what would have happened because Art was going to have to sell the team. Right. Well, that's how he got approached. I mean, he yeah. got Art was in a situation where he needed to find somebody to invest into the team to take a part minority yeah. ownership of the team because they needed the funds and uh Bishotti was kind of approached by his financial guy uh about it it wasn't like Bashadi was looking yeah. it was you know outwardly looking to be an NFL Somebody they like knew mutually yeah. and that's what introduced uh so again he he got that contract kind of worked out and, and the agreement in place where he basically just financially provided them for three years and took an internship to learn from Medell and learn from the front office and, and learn everything that he could about yeah. what it's like to be a, a you know an NFL owner. Uh, and he felt more prepared probably than any other new owner uh, to an NFL franchise would be. And, and that was something that worked to his advantage. Yeah, it definitely it, it worked out for him. He's able to, you know, sit back. One of the things that kind of stuck out with me was he said not only did, you know, w- with his with his previous business, Aerotech, those that know Aerotech know it's a successful business. Um with that, he put people he he drove that business because he knew it. Right. He built it. He knew it inside and out. And he said, with football, he's not the smartest in the room. He lets his guys do what they're paid to do. And that's so they they talk to him about, like, you know, you got those upfront owners. You've got the Jerry Jones, the Dan Snyders of the world, the ones that want to be in front of the camera, that want to have control over right. everything because they think they know everything about everything. And, they're too, you know, to Jerry Jones' credit, he's had a very successful run. I mean, it hasn't yeah. been recently. You know, it's been a while since well, they've the been Ursa's, to a Super Bowl. The Ursa's fall into that category as well. Exactly. But he's got people in position, and he pays them to do a job, and he lets them do their job because he knows that they're more educated in their specific roles than he is. Does he give 
his takes and does he give his opinions when needed and when asked for? Absolutely. Yeah. But he is never the gaunt, you know, the gauntlet no, to come down and say this is the decision. He's so. not he's not at least from what we heard, you know, he's not that guy, you know, as much as sometimes actually I think he sometimes should be. Yeah. You know, that guy. But when it comes to player personnel and stuff like that, he backs off. He's hands off. He's more hands off with with that. And that was kind of his point. But he you know, when when he's he said one of the things that he liked when he bought the Ravens was it was a similar culture to the 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 brand that he had developed with Aerotech. Right. And the culture was something that why he bought into it. And he's just continued to buy into that culture. And that's what is the one thing like I kind of I get in chills talking about it because you hear you hear it. From the players, you hear from different things and from media that just the culture is different with the Ravens, right? right? Now you're hearing it from the o the owner right. saying, "I feed this culture. Yep. I don't. If you don't fit this culture, I'm not hiring you. I'm not keeping you. Yeah. You know. And that just it really plays a, a factor into what it is. And to your point, with the fact that he's he's not hands on. But he's not an idiot either. He's knowledgeable. Right. And it, during that interview, you know, they t he talked about, you know, I Marlon said, I know you love draft season. Like what? And he basically said, look, in the season, I can't do anything. Yeah. I, I, I sit back and he's like, I'm more nervous about you guys because I can't get down there and make an impact. Right. He's like, but when it comes to draft season, I do. I sit back. I, I look at all the mock drafts. I look at all the players. And he. I thought it was interesting because he was saying he loves the draft season. He does his research, but he doesn't overstep his bounds. He merely sees – if he sees something, he says something. He right. says something to Eric. He says something to Harbs. The interesting thing for this year, the one guy that everybody is <laughs> like – Oh wow! This kid's making a real splash and can make a huge impact in I in Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, with Isaiah Likely, it sounds like Steve Bashotti was the catalyst for that pick because he made the statement. You know, sometimes you go to Harbs and you say, "Hey, Harbs." Check out this Likely kid. Yeah, right. I don't know if there's truth to that. If he actually did that with it, Likely, if I'd he was just using that as an example, take. I would too. But you know, he he kind of takes a similar approach to some of us who get names of prospects that maybe we haven't heard. And we're all anticipating the series, the season. That's why we do all these mock drafts. And that's why we go on YouTube and watch all these highlight tapes and whatnot. He like, he has that same type of fan, like investment into it, but then he's got the ownership side into it as well. Right. So he'll go on there. He'll watch all the highlights. He'll watch. But what he said is it's not just about the highlights, right? He'll watch those highlights, but then he'll find lowlights too. Maybe some look of at their, the worst games, look at their worst yeah. games and all that stuff. And then he'll make a, an evaluation and feed that information to Harbaugh and to his guys and all that stuff. And they take it for what it's worth. And then it's their team to make the final decisional guys. But he yeah. does have a, a hands-on role in some evaluation of players. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool though, right? Because you think of him as that hands-off, but he's also, you know, that just shows you how knowledgeable he is. Mm -hmm. And now, now you're sitting back going, okay, who? I want a list. Right. I want a list of the ones that Steve Bashotti turned Harbs or Eric or or Ozzy onto. Right. Because it's like, okay, it, it, I, I don't think even if these guys hit, even if every guy that he's turned on, if he's, you know, if he's batting 90% with it, right. even if he's batting 50% with it. If for most owners, I think that would go to their head very easily. But we talk about him being controlled. Right. To your point, part of that controlled side of him is I put people in place 
who are better than I am. Yep. And what do you do as a leader? As a natural leader, you put people around you to offset you. Yep. Well, when you aren't the smartest man in the room, you bring in the smartest men in the room. Exactly. And I'll be damn sure if we haven't Keep done that ego time and time check. again. Exactly. You know, and so it's just it it was really, really interesting to kind of see this take. Did you get to see the video, James? Or the interview? Of uh, Steve Bashati yeah. with um Marlon? Yeah. yeah. Nah, I, I, you gotta well, watch it. Yeah, they they did talk too, and this would probably perk your interest. This, James, yeah, so, this will get him to watch yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so they, they talked about you know John Harbaugh and the selection of John Harbaugh and and why he's been with the team as long as he has and all that stuff. And he talked about how consistency is how you build success. Right? It's it's not changing a new coach every two or three years and changing the culture and change. Cause he said, everything revolves around culture and it starts with your top guys, right? And, yeah. and having that consistency at the top equals success. And he's like, that's how we've been able to be competitive. And that's how we've been able to be in the position that we've been in year in and year out, you know, nobody's perfect, right? And there's going to be coaches that are going to have splash years and teams that are going to have splash years and all of that. But when you look at what the Ravens organization has been able to do in their, what, 26 years that they've been here now, it's be consistent. Did they have some down years during, you know, certain players, you know, errors and all that stuff? Of course. But the Ravens have always consistently been able to address that and get back to being competitive football. And, and, and you look, and I saw this stat earlier today about – Teams that have won the Super Bowl, right? And they had a, a grouping of teams that have won the Super Bowl in the last 10 years. Ravens are in that group. And then the Super Bowl in the last 20 years. And the Super Bowl in the last 30 years. And never had a Super Bowl. And the list of teams that have never won a Super Bowl would impress you. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of teams in the NFL that have never won a Super Bowl. And here the Ravens are, have only been around 26 years and have won Isn't two. And they're in that top tier uh, yeah. of winning a Super Bowl in the last 10 years. Isn't this something like almost 50% of the teams? It's not 50%, but it's it's, it's, almost. A, it's a big number. It's yeah. a big number. I just Every time I see that stat, I'm like, Jesus Christ, you don't realize yeah. how many teams that have been around for a very long time, the Browns, yeah. and have never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> Detroit. Well, Detroit. Uh, well, we're going to talk about the Browns here in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but Adit says, uh, will Bashani be the type of owner that would sell the team to the group that would maintain the team culture the best, even if it's the second highest offer? Now, So they he, talked to he, him yeah, about they did that, talk to too. Him. They talked to him about, you know, what his out plan was and you know he he was approached you know a couple years ago or, and looked at numbers of sales from different teams i forget what the number was a couple years i think it, it was, was like, like he said it was like 4.2 no he said it was like 2 it was like 2 a few years ago but the the 4.5 for the broncos that's what it was you know to get his attention this past year and it's he basically said like look this is he he straight out said he is not leaving the team to his kids. Yeah, it's not a legacy thing no. for him. You, you talk about John Angelo, you know Peter Angelos and John Angelos, Angelos and that whole Hersays. that whole mess yeah. of a situation. That's not what it's going to be for Bashadi. So it will be sold. Um, and, and you know I just have so much respect for for Bashadi that I don't. Yes, it'll be a money move. But if you listen to anything that Bashadi talks about. He's, he's from he, Maryland. He, he, well, it's it's not just that, right? So it's money isn't his motivating factor in anything that he does in life now because he is a billionaire, right? Yeah. How much more money does he really need at this point? And his his talked about this in the podcast. He's going to give away a lot of his fortune his to philanthropy. Yeah, yeah, through philanthropy. So. It's not going to be solely about money for Steve Bashani. I really think up, Jacob? he will leave this organization in good hands. Now, 
who that is and what that person is and where they come from. Obviously, we don't know when that'll be. You know, that could be two years down the road. That could still be another ten years. He did throw I that think, number yeah, out there. I think there. he has some horses too. He does have horses. Yeah, I think he's. He, I mean, the man. You don't get to build, be a billionaire by having all of your money in one spot. No. You know, these guys are. They diversify their portfolios. They're into a bunch of different things. You know, and that's one of the things that he's. You know, he started smart. in he's, his basement, right? In his, yeah, in his basement, working it up. Then you think he said he went to his garage. Then he it worked out. He into, went, he went to, uh, he went to Goodwill, got a couple of desks. desks and some old phones, and started this business literally in the basement and grew it into what it is. It's yeah, insane. and, and it, it's it's one of those things. You you take a step back, and you know he's homegrown. He went, he's from Severn, yeah. right? So he he knows the area. And, and to your point, I think he is the type of guy. That he would, because he wouldn't, you know, yes, it's a leg. It's not a legacy thing for his family, but I, I think he would want to leave. Know that he's he's so invested in this team, uh, you know, financially and I think emotionally, yeah. you know, that There's he would not want to leave it in bad hands. He would no. want to make sure that this culture is is continued and that somebody's going to continue that. So, yeah, I, I do think he'd interview them and be like, hey, you know. I'd, I'd like to, you know, write it in the contract that you're going to keep this or this or this or whatever. But it's one of those things that he's not going to just up and sell the team because somebody offers him a ton of money. He he basically said, look, at some point, yeah, I'll have I'll have an out. But, you know, when I stop having fun, that's when I'm out. Yeah, and, and Marlon, speaking of fun, Marlon uh, kind of jokingly was talking about him being a billionaire, and he's like, you know, there's only like 3,200, 3,800 billionaires in the world, and you're one of them. He's like, it must be pretty cool to be a billionaire, and he's like, Bashadi responded quick without even hesitation. <laughs> he's like, it. would you give up your career right now, today, to be a billionaire? And Marlon had to think about it for a second. He's like, nah. nah. He's like, if I was in year 10, year 12, he's like, yeah. He's like, I got to win a Super Bowl. Nah, yeah. can't do it now. I, I, the other thing I did love with that whole, all that exchange was the end questions that he was asking him of like, who, all right, so you got to take one guy to an island. Is oh, it yeah. Ray? What did he say? It was Ray, Ed, or, um, oh, who was the other one that he said? Uh, I don't remember. I, I think he let him pick from anybody. It wasn't just those no, names. He go. He gave three was names. It? it was Ed. It was Ed, him, and somebody else. Because then the next one, that was whoever was taking the island with him. And he's like, yeah, he's as smart as Ed, and he's as strong as what that guy. Jonathan, was it? No, no. Uh, I forget who it was. It'll come to me. Yeah, but overall, he picked Ray. And then you know, it was like, okay, these players, you know, the new, the, the, the current new players, the new age players, you know, who could you take or whatever. So it was, it was pretty funny. It was like the the. Who could you beat? And um, who did he say that he could have? Oh, they were talking about he could run faster than Warren Sapp. And they're like, yeah, no, no way. They're like, no way, dude. Warren, <laughs> Warren Sapp would hunt you down like a dog. <laughs> like, yeah. you'd be done. He'd probably take uh, Michael Phelps. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it was just a really cool interview, yeah. and it's it's a it's if a really cool podcast. Chance, go see it. If you haven't watched it yet, or if you haven't listened to it yet, Studio Forty Four, check it out. There's a lot of good shows, a lot of good episodes on there for sure. Um, so I did want to take a, a second before we move out of the the Ravens and, and move on to the Orioles to take a few minutes to kind of talk about the news that has come out with you know keeping in the North, the Browns. Mm. The Browns are doing brown things again. Yeah. Uh we all thought that it was crazy with the the uh Deshaun Watson situation. Well, it's gotten even crazier with that. So he does ha he started his hearing yesterday. It went into today. I did not see anything before we went on air that it had broke that, you know, they had finished or whatever. Um it could go into tomorrow. 
but he had the, the hearing with the NFL and the NFL PA jointly appointed a disciplinary officer. Her name is Sue Robinson. Uh, and it was scheduled to start yesterday. So they're going to assess how they're going to do this. Now, Watson last week came to a settlement agreement on 20 of the lawsuits. Mm-hmm. On Monday, one of the four active civil lawsuits was amended and named the Houston Texans as the defendant. And that guy, uh, I think it's Tony Busby or something like that, yeah. that was the, the attorney. He was representing all 25 of the women. A few of them you know, left and found other attorneys. He said in a statement, the overwhelming evidence collected indicting that the Houston Texans enabled Watson's behavior is incredibly damning. So we'll see what that means, and we'll see what I'm, comes out of I'm it. I'm sure but. There's a, there was a lot of covering up going and a lot of, hey, if you do this, we'll let you get away with that kind of stuff going on. Hence why they wanted to separate themselves from him completely and, right. just, and hope it went away, Yeah, they, uh, they which just, it's not. They just look stupid now. They look even worse now that if they were covering things up, it's even it's even worse that you you got rid of them to try to help cover it up yeah. even more. You know, now granted, I know that he there this is these are all civil lawsuits. The 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 federal indictment did not they the grand jury voted to not hold him accountable for, for those, but there's civil lawsuits that are going on that you know, there's still criminality behind civil lawsuits. Yeah. So that's you know, that's part of what's going on here. And it's one of those things that there could be huge penalties and fines, and also, you know, you for the Texans, you could wind up having to pay somebody a lot of freaking money. Absolutely, because if it is damning that you covered up, you knew about this person, yep, and what had happened, and you tried giving, you know, hush money or you did, you did this to cover or that, it up, yeah, whatever happened. It's going to be crazy to find out what comes out over the next few weeks because it's it's going to come out and it's going to come out quick. And last we heard. The NFL was seeking at minimum a one-year suspension for think, Deshaun Watson. I think they're yeah, I think they're looking for indefinite, so that way that they can kind of figure out how long it needs to be, and it'll probably yeah. all kind of be based on the public opinion as to like what <laughs> everybody thinks that it should be. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I think the minimum should be a year. And to that point, I know we had we you know we talked about this before in the contract situation and how stupid the Browns are for doing this and getting themselves involved and paying all this money and guaranteed. I you did know. hear the other day though. They do have a clause in the contract. Apparently, they were ready to absorb knowing that he was probably going to miss at least a year that they put a pause a pause clause in this contract that basically if he does get suspended for a year, it pushes his contract back a year, forward a year, uh, and it takes his salary from $46 million down to like just over $1 million yeah. base for the year that he, suspended, that he suspended. So at least they were smart enough to factor that in. Yeah. But still, By the, the way, the other, the, other factor, the other factor that everybody's not recognizing here, and I'm going to address Drew here in a second, uh, but one of the factors that everybody's not recognizing, so the grand jury, when they when they said, okay, we're not, there's no, there's not going to be any criminal indictment yeah. here. That was on the first 25. Remember, the last that we heard, the number was up to, I think, 66 of people that were coming out saying that this was the case. So it could go back to, very, to court and very well be a 40 case indictment. Right. They can't hit, he can't get hit on the other 20. You can't do double jeopardy. Right. Or the other 25. But if these other 40 people are able to make a, a true case, that fact, the fact that that other one was there, is going to factor into this one, which yep. could then lead to a criminal indictment, 
right? Oh, and, and go to trial. So there are things that, ha- that could happen here. And yes, Drew, if you remember, just uh, I think about a year and a half ago, I said Watson wasn't going to be a starting quarterback in two years. Well, looks like it's coming to fruition for y'all. Just saying. <laughs> Not for the reason I thought it was going says, to. Ridley yeah. gets a year and Watson's going to get 10 games. Talk about fucked up logic. You're absolutely right. If that's actually what happens, you're talking about Calvin Ridley getting suspended for an entire year for gambling and yeah. betting on fantasy football or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, it was, it was fantasy like, football. It was like minimal money, and he got a whole year. It was like, it was like five yeah, grand on, on fantasy he, football or something yeah, like that. He bet it on his own team to win. Okay, wow. but he wasn't playing, so he had no factor in the game, and he bet his own team to win, bet right? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous, and he got a year for that, and we're talking about maybe 10 games for for Watson on this. I don't yeah. know why you'd be Unbelievable. betting on your own team. It's crazy. And Chuck uh, says uh, he'd be a top 10 quarterback if you took off the field stuff off. Well, you can't take <laughs> off the field stuff away, and he's not a top 32 quarterback at this time because he's not on the field. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that leaves the, the, the Browns, to your point, in a very peculiar situation <laughs> because yeah. – they have pissed one Baker Mayfield off. Right? He has pissed and, the fuck off. And he's doing a real good job talking to the public and being and minding his P's and Q's, which is not usually Baker's forte. Baker usually speaks his mind, and he's he's been kind of, you know. He's been quiet Quiet, but and, not and this week. Saying things, uh, maybe not direct, but saying things in a way that. He's, uh, he's sending his message. Uh, he's sending his message. You know, he's, he, he, he said this week uh, he was at a uh, a football camp in Norman, Northern Norman, Oklahoma, where he went to, you know, he went to college, played for Oklahoma. One of the 10 so, colleges he went to. Yeah. Uh, but he said, I, when he was asked about, would he be willing to step in for Watson now, you know, now that he's potentially not going to play at all. Uh, his response was, I think that to happen for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out, but we're ready to move on. I think on both sides. Yeah. They went out. They signed Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I'd rather have Baker than Jacoby Brissett. I was going to say, sorry, Josh says Baker sucks. Who cares? Baker's much better than Jacoby Brissett. Much better than any other free agent quarterback on the market right now. Uh, so they're just the Browns are just a, a yeah. shit organization, and it's sad because Andrew Barry, Harford <laughs> County Zone. I was it hurts. I thought there was a I was praying. I, I was hoping for this guy that he would he would be able to turn shit around for that organization because oh. I. Honestly, I love competitive football. I love the rivalries, right? And I, I hate there being a doormat. I know there's always a doormat yeah. in every division, right? But when all the teams are competitive, that's when football is fun, right? And yeah, right now the Browns are just doing hey, brown things. Let's just put it this way: Deshaun Watson, he can uh, not only can he not finish touchdown drives, but he he can't finish getting a girl either. <laughs> that was for Drew. <laughs> All right, James, time for a social media shout-out. Who's been in the chat room? Who's chatting it up? I guess people are a little off for not being on Tuesday till tonight. But yeah, it's all right. Chat room's a little low, but it's starting to pick up now with that uh, Browns talk. So, <laughs> <laughs> What's um, up, Gary? But uh, as number one, Chuck Summers, uh, Marcus, John Goog, Stephen Summer, C. Iron, Travis, William, Kamal, uh, Gary Moxley, Steve, Nick Short, uh, Garnett, he's uh, back in. He he said like he just moved in, so he's watching the show. Um, some 
somehow it came up as Facebook user. I don't know if they have it like private or whatever. Uh, like, probably. Okay. Yeah. Possibly. Facebook user. So we'll put his uh, or her name out there as that. <laughs> Jack, Ahmed, uh, Jacob, and Joshua. So Appreciate you all tuning in. As any always. good comments out there? Uh, I have the one that pinned um, uh, that said was finally in the new house. Show it up. Uh, okay. He just said he just finally in the new house, set up and enjoy my brother's on BS. Garnett, appreciate, appreciate you, it, my buddy. brother. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, uh, congrats. And I know I saw somebody say, you know, I think, and you kind of address it, but I think William said it really well. Scroll down a little bit, you know, uh, down, 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 down uh, the other way. Um, one, you're right on right there. So William said, imagine having Watson and Baker on your roster and you're forced to roll out Jacoby Brissett. And that's yeah. kind of exactly what you're saying. And I know that somebody else you know, said, you know, well, he, he sucks. But look, it's yeah, it's a dumpster fire. It's crazy. They're doing Browns things. But just just imagine having, you know, those guys and you can't put them out there. It really sucks. I'm like wrapping my mind around. Right. So the the. 49ers are still in a situation where they got to figure out what the hell they're going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. If they're really moving with Trey Lance, like they got to figure out what they're going to do with Garoppolo. So could we see a situation where Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, and Jimmy Garoppolo are all on a Browns roster? Because if you feel if you, if nah. this hold, listen to me, right? So if Deshaun Watson gets a suspension, right, and his clause goes into place, and now his contract value is only a uh, million dollars, this, yeah. right, versus forty six million, that opens up a lot of contract room, and that opens up a lot of uh, cap room for them to be able to bring a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo in, uh, and then potentially still could, move Baker to Seattle or somewhere else. But Could you could you trade just, Jimmy for Baker? Uh, no, I, I don't think the, the Browns would be looking to bring a Baker in because Baker wants to be a starter, right? So it would be somebody like... You mean the... You mean the, the I'm sorry, uh, 49ers. 49ers. Yeah, I don't think the 49ers... Yeah, but he doesn't get a fucking say at this point. No, like, he doesn't. And if he wants to if, play this year, he's going to go wherever. If the 49ers are willing to do that, I'm sure the Browns will be like, yeah, fucking take him. Whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think Baker ends up still in either Seattle or Carolina. Sounds like Well, both guys Seattle are on contract anywhere. years this year, right? Because Baker's going into his fifth year. Yeah, right. And then Jimmy G is working on his last year of his contract out there in San Francisco, if I remember correctly. He's got one or two years Can you look left. That up? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Browns, the Browns handcuffed himself because... By them saying that, you know, we want to trade him, all the team knows once he's released, they can sign him. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to spend that money. unless. And then they're also saying that they want the Browns to pick up a portion of his contract. So they'd rather him just get released than the other team. But the only two teams that are really talking are uh, Carolina and, and Seattle. Seattle. That's right. it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it just doesn't make sense to me for the 49ers to bring Baker in, but it does make sense for me to for the 49ers, okay, so, or for the Browns to bring in Garoppolo. So you don't you don't bring in if you don't bring in somebody else and you get rid of Jimmy G, who's who's your backup out there? Who is your more than serviceable backup? Nobody. Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Case <laughs> That's joking. in Oakland. Uh, yeah, uh, right. I mean, he fits the offense. Yeah, look, I I just, I truly, I think I agree with Nick. I think, you know, a, a trade of Baker for Jimmy G, it gets Baker out of there. He's yeah. unhappy in his situation. Jimmy G, we're hearing reports that he's unhappy out there. It's just a lot it, of money. It's, it's a lot of swap. It's a, it's a lot of money for the 49ers to have invested in a backup quarterback. Because he's still, what is it, 20-something million dollars that he's going to get this 19. year, I think. Or is it 19 that, or whatever? Who, Jimmy or Baker? Happen. Baker. Baker. Okay. That's not going to happen. This trade, he's not going to go there to be a backup. Right. I don't he doesn't get a say. Either. But that's what you, you guys are acting like he gets a say. He's a, He is finishing out his rookie contract. He gets no fucking say. So I if just, they want to part 
him out. I get that. I'm, you're you're <laughs> misinterpreting what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't think the 49ers are going to want to bring him in as a backup. It's I, yes, I agree with you what you're saying too. I don't think Baker wants to go to, or to be a backup, but I agree with what you're saying is that he doesn't have a choice. I, everybody that says that, and I I, I just I, don't think I don't know what I think that the relationship with Jimmy is just soured enough. But I think they reckon that they had to have recognized what he did for them last year, and if they didn't, that's fucking dumb on them because right. if they weren't in the position at the end of the year last year without Jimmy G, right? Simple I, as that. I think the only thing that could work out for the Browns is to be honest, just hold on to him, tell him to stay home, sort of like Watson, and then hope maybe a starter gets hurt and get something. Yeah, out. but he can't. You can't. He, you have to have him on the roster. If the other, if he, if you, he either has to go on on an IR situation or you put him on the, the second. You can't put him on the practice squad because it's saying you knew somebody scooping him up for free. Yeah, they'll 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 just have to carry him though. That's what I'm saying. Like carry it him just and tell him to stay home. I don't, know. I don't know. He's going to have to come out of the games. He's got to suit up. He's got to be on the active roster. Not really, because the Brown, uh, the Texans did it. They told him to stay home, and they paid him. He Didn't he go on an IR at one point? No. They told him to stay home. Yeah, I don't remember his. He I don't said know he, he was ready to go. He, he went to. Uh, I he, do remember he, them telling remember him to stay home. I remember he, no. he showed up for camp. He did yeah. like a week, and then when training camp, well, mini camp, he showed up. When training camp came, they told him just to go home. Yeah, and he was yelling him. at the camera people yeah. and all that shit. Yeah. They just told him to go. Uh, Adit says, would, would Debo even like Baker? You got that situation to resolve as well if you're the 49ers. And that's, <laughs> but you got it. That's the thing. I, I understand what you're saying. But if that's what your thought process is, Trey Lance isn't your answer either. Debo's going to be pissed when Jimmy G is gone and, and he's not there and throwing the ball to him. And we don't know what the problem is with Debo right now. I mean, Debo could be upset. I think he's upset for multiple reasons. Upset because he wants his money. Oh, 100%. Uh, and you're getting everybody out he there. He wants his money, but he also wants paid. he also wants to get but he also could, wants to get receptions and get the, get the That's the other part. The thing. Of it. He doesn't want to be this hybrid running back wide receiver, you know, player anymore. He wants to be a wide receiver. Uh, and maybe the the 49ers aren't willing to bend on that, and that's why he wants out. Maybe with their offensive you know system that they have. We'll see. All right, man. It's time for some bros, bows, and O's. Yeah, man. Uh, as the team is now, I guess thirty-five and forty-two. Two they lost today on the yeah. season. Uh, in the midst of a nine-game road trip, they had a big, big road series win in Chicago, taking three out of four. Almost had the fourth. Yep. Split the first two of the three-game set in Seattle, but again, losing today. Um, so, again, playing good baseball. Had a dominant win, nine to two on Monday, where they hit five home <laughs> yeah. runs. Uh, and then it was like last night they 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 get one hit and they lose two to nothing. It was like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, very you know different from each other. But. Yeah, the the five home run game was was interesting because you had to, you know the two innings with back to back homers. Yeah, Adley and Mountie, and then you had Santander and Hayes go back to back. It was yeah. uh, pretty and impressive. Adley and Mountie both going oppo. Yeah. For sure. It was nice to see. And Santander, man, that at bat that he had, where he had 10 <laughs> pitches that he fouled off, unreal. Like, it's got to be probably one of the best at bats for this season, for sure. One of the best at bats I've seen in a very long time. We've this talked. is one of the things that I always said that was like Brian Roberts' specialty. Brian Roberts was great at being able to foul balls off, extend Make contact bats, somehow. Right. Just extend the bats, get the pitchers pitch count up for the inning. Um, well, when we talked earlier in the year, Santander, we saw a difference coming into the season that he just there was something different. Yeah. He just looked different. He was being more patient at the plate. 
being more disciplined. And this just goes to show you, he's fouling off all these pitches. It was, I think it was eight straight fouls. Foul it was off. 10 fouls in total. In I think it was bat. eight straight that he that, like that. in that bat, at bat before he hit the homer. Or, Unreal. And it was just nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it would have been a great at bat either way. Even if he would have oh, yeah. gotten out, it would have been a great at bat. But then to cap it off with a two-run home run like that, yeah. uh, it's just one of the best at bats I've watched in a long And time. then Jorge Mateo with the longest home run of them all. Yeah. Straightaway center field. Yeah. <laughs> which should have been able to be robbed, if I'm being honest. But it wasn't, so I'll take it. Right. Right, but then again, like I said, you get the team held the one hit last night as last year's Cy Young winner Robbie Ray pitched an absolute gem. Uh, uh, you said the word of what Cy Young? Like yeah. he's, he's a Cy Young winner. He's Robbie Ray is deserved. He was it. the he's, one that was barking at uh, Brandon Hyde last year. Uh-huh. Brandon Hyde was barking. Brandon at Hyde him. was barking at him. Yeah, they that were barking was, uh, back and forth. They were, yeah, that was, yeah, was pretty entertaining. Yeah. he was with Toronto, I think, at that point. One. Yeah, where where it was. Uh, yeah, he was with Toronto because yeah. he was. It was back and forth, and he was barking at him, telling him. Don't don't keep fucking looking over here. Yeah. Don't keep looking over here. Throw the fucking, fucking ball. Throw the fucking pitch. Throw the fucking ball. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was that was always great. I love the John Boy breakdown of that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about some of the hottest pitchers in all of baseball right now. And it's two guys I can't believe we're, that are even doing it right now, and are really do their flowers overdue at this point. You know, you, you when they do it once, it's kind of like all right, you know, every dog finds a bone, that kind of thing. Tyler Wells, we'll start there. It's been incredible in the rotation this season. Pitched a gem on Monday night. Had a perfect game through four and two-thirds before giving up a solo shot, which ended Mm -hmm. the no-hitter, perfect game, all that. But put these numbers in perspective. Since May 2nd, he's pitched in 11 games, started 11 games. He's 6-2 and on the year, 2.70 ERA, and the team went 8-3 and in his game. All his eleven games that he started, he's yeah, he's leading the team in wins. Tyler Wells, he is. A, Tell me, you had that surprise. on your bingo card? <laughs> Nobody had that on their Birdland bingo card, right? Nobody did. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's crazy to see. It's nice to see him kind of get the get the the attraction on his feet. I loved. Did you see the video uh, when he came off the mound the other day after the the flyout and Adley? Oh like, yeah, Adley was look. Adley was like. It was kind of like as a as, as a catcher, the look that I gave was, "Don't you fucking shake me off again!" Right? <laughs> like, like that's kind of, I told you because Tyler had a big old when when he looked up and saw Adley's face like that, it was kind of like, "All right, you're right." Like that was just the smile that I saw, and then Adley gets a big smile on his face. So yeah, it. it he has been surprised, surprising, you know, this season. I think we saw it early in the season. We said there's something, there's something different about him compared to the end of last year. Yeah, uh, and it it's continued. He is on the upward trajectory. And here. can we talk about Dean fucking Kramer for a minute? Right, right. What? Where the fuck did this come yeah. from? The guy went down for you know rehab. Comes back out of the rotation, 18 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings. Prior to this season, he had never had a scoreless outing in his MLB career. And now yeah, he, he has, has three. three straight. Unreal, man. It's crazy. And and like you were I couldn't believe this when you told me this stat about him. Yeah. I'll let you go ahead and tell you. I'll let you t- take the thunder so here. So his three straight scoreless starts of at least five innings are pitched is tied for the longest such streak in Orioles franchise history. Jesus Christ. And I saw this stat. I can't think of who it was on Twitter. And I commented, like, 
I, I just I can't believe this is true. Like this doesn't seem real. With all the pitchers that have come through here, you're talking about Hall of Fame pitchers. You're talking you're about talking Jim Palmer, all only Jim Palmer, Jim Palmer. <laughs> like, you're talking Mike Messina. You're talking all these guys that were here for years. Cindy Ponson. Right. Well, so I made that comment. I made that comment on uh, social media, and actually, Jim uh, responded to it, which was kind of funny, and pointed out that the the key stat to that is five innings pitched. Right. So his run that he had because he was tied with Jim Palmer. Now, yeah, Jim Palmer's were all complete game, game shutouts. shutouts. Yeah. So. Get, listen, you got to give Dean Kramer his flowers because he's pitching out of his mind this year. Jim but Palmer ain't giving them. <laughs> Jim Palmer, yeah. Jim Palmer does. is like, hey, wait a second. Don't I, put I me in the same three game, game. Three yeah. full game, complete game shutouts. And mind you, the girl that he was responding to, or a guy, I don't even know who it was. I think it was a girl. She responds and says, well, you're selling yourself short on this because the game before that and the game after that, you only gave up one run in those two games too, right? So, I mean, just goes to show how dominant Jim Palmer yeah, was. It, it's crazy just kind of think through that. But, look, here's the other crazy part about this. Dean Kramer's ERA right now? When's the last time an Orioles saw a sub-2 ERA? Because he's got a 1.29. Yeah. I Listen, I, I, I'll be honest with you, and I'll, I'll own this. I was over the Dean Kramer experience last year. Um <laughs> I did, you know, he was a guy that was just going to be a body, right? Another guy that was just going to be a stopgap. He was the fifth until, man in rotation. Fifth until, or sixth man. I didn't even see it being that. I mean, he was just going to be a body until the the big boys were here, until the good guys were coming. Uh, but if he can kind of continue this and can figure Ooh. it out, and again, one or two starts, I'm like, all right. He, you know, he's he's just if he's he, on a run or whatever. Way, if he was doing this all year, this would be Cy Young candidate type pitching. Yeah. His his control right now, the movement on his slider right now, uh, just him and Adley seem to be on a. I was on getting a, ready to say, you know what the difference together. is? It's Adley, and it could be. I mean, I, I think that's definitely a factor for sure. Uh, but it's unreal. I would never You're thought number today, James. I would have never thought we'd be talking about no. Tyler Wells and Dean Kramer as two of the hottest pitchers, not just on the Orioles, two of the hottest pitchers in, in baseball, baseball right, right now. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's Unbelievable. crazy. It's crazy to kind of really look at all of this. And, and you know, you, you, when you talk about this pitching, right, what's the one struggle that we've talked about at times? It, it, it's been the off offensive side of the ball. Yeah. You know, we've talked about some of the issues that they've had uh, when it comes down to them really putting the, the, the runs up there at times. Obviously, they've been doing better with that here in the month of, of June. Um, You're starting to see just, the power come to. Exactly. The, you know, and, and I think, Trey, before up. we get into the June stats for a second, you're the one that found this. Trey had a really good statement. I think really sums it up. Really yeah, well. I mean, when you just talk about the 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 overall morale around the team, Trey said it best. He says, "We come to the park every day and expect to win, and that's not a feeling we've had here in a long time." Right? I mean, he's referring back to his early years when he first got yeah. the call with the Orioles, uh, and they were actually competing then in the Manny Machado and the you know the um, Adam Jones era. Uh, it's been a while since then, right? And we've had to endure that. And so is he as a player. And he's gone through so much, obviously, personally, that's all been well-documented that we all know about. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he's been the guy that, you know, we, we oh, should we trade him? Should we not? Blah, 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 blah. But you like his, his, his senior leadership and, you know, you got to have that veteran leadership in the locker room yeah. kind of guy. Um, 
I think he still is. I think he's still obviously he's he's contributing at a high level still. You know, yeah. he's, he's probably the second average or third average. I think he's the second average on the team right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's still hitting home runs, right? He's he's been robbed on quite a few he has been. by the new wall. Yeah. And a, you know, a few that were just short on actually one that was just short in Seattle the other night. Mm-hmm. Um so listen, it's good to hear that he's having fun. It's good to hear that the team is having fun, and you can see that. You can see it well, in the dugout with the home run chain and and just how they 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 interact with each other. I don't know if you saw too that uh, Brandon High was on high heat with Chris Russo, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm never a big fan of Russo, but I thought he asked some really good questions of Brandon Hyde, and and Hyde kind of echoed the sentiment that Trey was saying. He's like. They come to the ballpark and you know they're, we're coming to win. And, and Russo actually, when he asked the question, he said he said to Hyde, you know, maybe last year you weren't coming to the ballpark to win a game. You were coming to develop players. Now, you guys are you, you know you, you're you're playing well. You've got some hot hitters, some good pitching, some good you know uh, staff in the bullpen. You know, you guys are are now seeming like you're coming to play to win. And Hyde was basically saying, yeah, like it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Last year, it was more about player development. We did want to win. But this year, especially now that we've got these young guys coming up, we've got some more key cogs that will hopefully be coming later. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're playing to win. We want to be a force to be dealt with. And it was great to hear that because it's – it's. I think we're – we said that we saw early in this, earlier in the season we thought we were seeing – and hearing a transition. And now we really are. Yeah. Now it's really, you're seeing these pieces come to fruition. And I know you're going to talk about the line, you know, the future potential lineup in, in a little bit, but let's take a second. Let's just talk about June for a second, because June is the first winning month. They, they Despite the loss today, and even if they lose tomorrow, yeah, it is the first winning month since August of 2017, when they have a 17 and 12 Record in that think season. about that for a minute. That's five years. It's five seasons. I mean, obviously they had the COVID year, right? But that's five seasons of not having gone, a winning month, not having one winning month. That's, like, that's just how bad baseball has been. But that also shows you well, what direction we're going. And, and looking a little deeper on this, right? Credit to you because you put it in yeah. our group chat. But credit to Danny Vayetti on Twitter uh, for this this interesting stat. Right? The Baltimore Orioles are twenty one and sixteen since May nineteenth. That's impressive in in itself. Yeah. But to his point, unfortunately for them, the Red Sox are 27 and 10. The Yankees are 26 and 11 and the Blue Jays are 21 and 14. So all have better records in the same time span. Life in the AL East. I went and pulled it right in that time span. I, I went and uh, used baseball reference. You can actually go and pull the stats from a certain time period. So I pulled it. So, again, Boston, they were 27 and 11 because it included included the, the, the today. New York, 27 and 11. Houston, 22 and 13. Toronto, 22 and 14. 21 and 16 out of Cleveland, and we were 21 and 17. And Minnesota was 21 and 18. So three of the five teams ahead of us were all in our division. Four of the top teams in the month of, since May 19th, four of the top teams with records come out of one division. So you take away the AL East, and there's only two teams in the AL this month with a better record. Well, and let's look at the NL, right? The NL, Atlanta, 26 and 11. The Mets, 22 and 14. The St. Louis Cardinals are 23 and 17. The Padres are 22 and 17. The Dodgers are 20 and 16. And the Phillies are 21 and 17. Now, of of those, you'd look at that and you'd go, okay, I can see everything but Baltimore and Philly preseason, right? Right. You would be looking at it going, okay, yeah. But we're literally talking about in the same breath, 
We're talking about two organizations in the Phillies and the Orioles that everybody had written off this year. That in, in I know it's only, I know it's a shortened time span. I know it's not the Phillies whole season. In a little better spot than we are. But I, yes, but my whole point in, in saying that is we're in the same breath as New York, Boston, the Mets, the Cardinals, the Padres, the Dodgers, the the uh, the Braves. We're in the same conversation for the moment. Yep, and we're gonna hang our hats on this because it's I know it's it's a small sample size, but it is a month, it's right? Trending. It's showing you what direction this club and this organization is going through. And we're just starting to see the cream of the crop get here. Obviously, the biggest piece in Adley Rutschman's here. And let me tell you, he is absolutely on fire right now. Yeah. Last 10 games, hitting 382, 441, 882 slash line, a 1.323 OPS in 36 plate appearances. He has more homers, three than singles, in two. Yeah. Uh, had a streak that ended last night of five straight games with a double. First Orioles since Brian Roberts in 2009 to do that. I mean, he's just, he's an extra base hitting machine. Every ball that comes off his bat is at 100 mile an hour or more. Uh, I mean, he's just, he's seeing the ball like we expected him to see it. He's working the count. Uh, he's yeah. doing everything that you want him to do. And kudos, kudos to him, man, for, you know, obviously he's got family and everybody in, in Washington and out in that, on the West Coast in Oregon. Obviously, that's where he played, uh, yeah. you know, college ball. He had a lot of people in the stands, had a lot of family in the stands. And day one, game one that they're there in Seattle, he hits a home run. Um, you know, so he well, didn't buckle under pressure with no, all the family there. No, and to go back for a quick second, just to, you know, I think Nick Shorter, somebody, I think it was Nick Short that said, you know, Scott, are we in a pennant race? Ha ha ha. Look, I'm not saying we're in a pennant race, but let me give you this piece of information. Crawl before you walk. Right now, Toronto and, and Boston hold the two wild card spots, clearly. Then it's Tampa Bay, right? So, Three out of the four teams, or three out of the five Absolutely, teams in our division Chuck. are in the wild card race. Now, remember, there are three wild card spots. So just keep that in mind. But to say that in this time period, that we would have thought that the Ravens, that the Orioles come the All Star break, would have been six games behind in the wild card spot. Yep. I, I'd be I'd be like, no, yeah, you're, you're fucking crazy. What are you smoking? I, I'd be telling you. Stay off the weed. But here's the deal. This team, it, there's something. I don't. I can't tell you. I can't tell you what's and, going on. And but the, there's something going on. There's something. There's a youthfulness. There is a, a, a lightheartedness. There is a, you know, for, for lack of a better analogy, there is something Moneyball movie-esque going on here. Yeah. These guys are getting, they're having fun, they're relaxed, they're comfortable, they're listening, they're patient, everything. That's and I'm not saying that they're in a pennant race, but what I am saying is don't don't discount what they're doing just because we're in a hard division. Here's the thing. The easy way to sum this up is the Orioles are fun to watch again. It's been a while since we could say that the Orioles were fun to watch. Even for us diehard fans, the season ticket holders, the one that watch every game and just put yourself through the misery of watching a team go up there and strike out 20 times out of 27 out attempts. Like, yeah. how many years did we have to deal with that? How many games where we were just, we would strike out double digits every freaking game, right? Yeah. It's infectious, and you can see it the whole way through this roster. The bullpen, the starting pitchers, the bench players, everybody has their role. Everybody's invested into what's going on right now. 
Well, and, and you talked about what, what Adley Rutschman is doing. Let's talk about the guy that had better get a fucking all-star nod at this point. I went on and voted Austin, my five times today. I, I, Austin motherfucking Hayes, if you're not voting <laughs> for this guy, he continues to rake. He made history last week kidding for the cycle. He's only this, It's only the sixth time in franchise history. By the way, it's the last time was Felix P.A. Right. Back in 2011 or 12. I, I don't remember. That. Somewhere around in there. I try to forget about those Felix years. Pye, for those of you that don't remember. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, look, this... He did it's it in awesome. the minimum amount of bats, too. He right. did it in four at-bats, which is super impressive, which Gunnar Henderson also did yesterday yeah. down yes. in the minors. He had it by the sixth inning. Uh, it's just insane for these yeah, guys to do it, this. It's, well, no, and it's that's one of the things. Austin Hayes was in that range-shortened game in six innings. So yeah. that's that's the whole thing is it's crazy. Uh, and to your point, Cal was in the stands. Right. <laughs> rocking yeah. a rocking a new look, man. He had the goatee, he had the Fred look going going on. It was uh, a little interesting. You don't usually see. He's usually clean you know, cut, clean yeah. cut. Yeah, it was a different look for him. He yeah, kind of, but no. So the other the other thing that that I know that you wanted to hit on is one of those things that defensively, whew, this uh, we had concerns about the infield, especially. We had concerns if DJ Stewart was going to be on this team. Thank God he's not. Things have kind of cleared up, and especially in the outfield. Yeah, it's it's been again fun to watch. It's play after play. If that ball is hit in the outfield, I feel confident that somebody's <laughs> going to chase it down. I don't care if it's hit to the was gap. Amazing. I don't care if it's hit to the wall. It's every single game. Cedric's making a, uh, an amazing play. Cedric's Austin Hayes is making a, an amazing play. It's diving catches. The one that Austin Hayes had almost ran into the fucking wall, sliding into the wall. Well, the one he had going, I think it was against Chicago, going down the uh, the right field line. Yeah, where he slid head first towards the wall. Slid into the dirt. Yeah, yeah. it's all oh, it was unbelievable. Saved uh, a double or triple, easy. Yeah, absolutely. And when are people going to learn? Don't run on Austin Hayes. Just don't do it. No. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. He's what <laughs> seven outfield assists now? Yeah, he's he's second. He's tied for second in the league. Number one is Straw out of Cleveland, which the guy has a fucking rocket of yeah. his of an arm. But he's in the same context as Garcia in Texas. Profar, Jerickson Profar in San Diego, and Hunter Renfro in Milwaukee. That's a, to say those were names, household names. Austin Hayes was not. Austin Hayes is becoming a household name. Not and that's just with just, the bat, but with the, that's with the glove too. That's just one piece to put yeah. on his on his resume as to why he should be an all star. He's hitting the ball for average. He's hitting the ball for power. He's getting on base and moving. You know, yeah. he's, he's stealing bases. Uh, he's doing everything in the outfield to win a Gold Glove at this point. Uh, if if Austin Hayes isn't in the All Star game this year, it's criminal. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing, right? You know, the guy that was on the that represented us last year in mm -hmm. Seti Mull, right? You and I have talked about this before, but it's it, there's something again. There's something happening right now. What separates Cedric and what makes him an exceptional outfielder? I know everybody wants to criticize him for his lack of arm strength, and rightfully so. I get it. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but where he will stay in center field and why he should stay in center field is his ability to read Drew. the ball off the bat. And his quickness and his first step, there's nobody right now in baseball as a center fielder, in my opinion, that can track a ball better than Cedric Mullins. I mean, again, anything hits to the gap, anything hit back to the wall, he is on it. And he, some of these plays that he makes that he's <laughs> diving on, nobody else would even be anywhere near 
the ones that he makes look almost effortless. You'd have yeah. other guys having to dive to make those plays. Like he's just he's an exceptional athlete. I understand yeah. again the weakness on his arm, and that is a drawback. He is not perfect by any means, uh, and he needs to get the bat going. It's starting to heat up a little bit lately, and he he'll never be that three thirty hitter he, that he was last here's year. Here's the deal: he's but the, he can be back to that two eighty to two ninety hitter. Defensive, I think he can do that. Defensively, he's the best. He's the best center fielder in the American League right Absolutely. now. Hands Absolutely. Hands down. Yep. Which defensively, I think that's another reason that he get he should he should also get a nod on the All-Star game. Now, starter wise, because of the bat, maybe not. That's where I think Austin Hayes comes in Absolutely. because he should be a starter the way that he's been playing. It's just it's crazy and you alluded to you kind of were like drooling over what the potential this, for the future? This, yeah, what this yeah, could look because, like. Because, I mean, again, I mentioned it earlier, right? You had Austin Hayes, who ends up hitting for the cycle. Well, then yesterday, you got Gunnar Henderson, who has been absolutely tearing the ball up down at AAA. Uh, so has Jordan Westberg, yeah. absolutely tearing it up down in AAA. Uh, we already saw Kyle Stowers, you know, for a short, brief stint, and he is starting to, to, to catch fire again. Uh, so you start just again, you start thinking for the future and you start thinking of what this lineup could look like in a couple of weeks. You got Austin Hayes. Here's my dream scenario, right? You get Austin Hayes leading off. I think he right now, because of the average, he does have the speed. I think he should be leading off playing left field. Trey Mancini, you move him up the second. He is your prime DH. Adley Rutschman, if he continues to hit the ball the way he's hitting the ball, he is now your third hole hitter as a catcher. Ryan Mountcastle, we all know the kind of power bat that he has. He's your cleanup hitter at first. Anthony Santander, if you don't bring up Kyle Stowers, can continue to be right field until Stowers is here. He'll hit fifth. I would move Cedric Mullins down to sixth right now, keep him in center field. You bring up Gunnar Henderson <laughs> at hitting seventh, playing third base. Jordan Westberg at second base, batting ninth, and then Jorge Mateo at shortstop, right? So I, I I am absolutely drooling over this lineup, and this is why I believed the Carlos Correa hype last year, right? Because when you start looking at this lineup... You're going to go there, huh? I, I really do. I, like, I, this is why I said the Carlos Correa hype last year about him potentially signing with the Orioles wasn't just media wash. It wasn't just... There wasn't... There was some truth to it, and I yeah. and, and we talked about why Elias would do it. Why it made sense. Why it made sense, right? And this is why, because if you look at that lineup, they're one piece of way at shortstop. Yeah. That's really the only weakness in that lineup is shortstop. And I love Jorge Mateo. He would be a great infield. Offensively, he's, that's the only thing. Offensively, his speed kills. But he would be a great infield super utility guy, a great guy to kind of come off the bench with the speed, and he changes the game yeah. with his speed, right? But to be an everyday shortstop, you got to hit better than him. Yeah. But if you put a Carlos Correa in that lineup with the power bats of Mount Castle, uh, Rutschman, uh, Henderson, that's you know, a formidable you bring up, lineup. Yeah, it's a very formidable lineup. Um, too bad Grayson Rodriguez isn't here because, again, From adding another rotation, arm yeah. to that rotation, this team's not far, guys. It's look, not. And, and look, you're you're excited about that. I'm excited about the next level beyond that because you know one of the things that happened this week. You have a couple more of our prospects that graduated up from their current level. We saw these guys go from Aberdeen up to Bowie. Last year's first first round pick, Colton Kowser. So your first round pick is already at Double A. Right. Right. Kobe Mayo, the team's fourth round selection in 2020. 
He's now moved Which up. Which Colton Cowser did hit a home run in his first game. For, yeah. And I think it was his first at bat. First at bat, yeah. So you have him, Kobe Mayo, which I know you and Drew Love and Mayo. I have all been high on. I think he's going to be good. He's another uh, Mount Castle type bat. He leads the organization in home runs right now on the minor. We're going to have to figure out another buoy trip because I do want to go down and see yeah, him. Yeah. Um, Connor Norby, last year's second round pick, all moving up, right? From Bowie, from Aberdeen to Bowie. Kowser's batting 258 with four home runs, 16 doubles, 22 RBIs, a 385 OBP, and a 795 OPS. Oh, and by the way, he's got 16 stolen bases, all in only 229 at-bats. The stat that, that that stands out to me here, right? So Kowser is going to be a higher average hitter. Uh, 258's not impressive here, right? But if you look at his on-base percentage, 385, you're talking about 130 points higher than his average is his on-base percentage. That's good, right? And when the bat mm-hmm. starts to come around and he starts to figure it out at the professional level, he starts hitting 270, 280. Now you're talking about an on-base percentage in that 410, 420, 430 range. That's good. And That's then, real good. And then there's the guy with timely power. Yep. He's only batting 250, but Kobe Mayo has 13 home runs, 14 doubles, 42 RBIs. So he's hitting he's hitting at the right times yep. with guys on base. He's got an 805 OPS. All in 240 at bats. He this is a guy that adds you another power bat to the lineup. Timely. You we need to work on his patience. I would like to see the walks get up to be in that impressive number. See the K's be down. But again, 13 home runs. He so, has he has as many home runs by himself as Kowser and Norby do together. So in 240 at bats, he's got 13 home runs, right? So the typical average season for an everyday player in the Major League Baseball in Major League Baseball is like 550 at bats to 600 at bats in a season. So if you double that and then add a few, because I mean the 240 is 480. So He's on pace right now to hit about 30 to 35 home runs uh, in his first professional year if he were to get to that 500 he's, to, you know, 600 at plate appearances. Right now, he's hitting a home run about every, you know, if you if you average it out, right, and you say, okay, 240 plate appearances, you're getting maybe four a game. And I'm going low ball on that four yeah. a game with the way that Bowie's been playing. Um, but four, if you go four a game, that means he's hitting home runs at, about at once, at once every four. Uh, four games, right? Which is it's not a bad clip, right? Once every four games in a hundred and sixty-two game season, right? One sixty-two divided Nick, by four. Nick Short says, "Come on down to Bowie, and I'll buy you all the beers you can drink." <laughs> hey, Nick, <laughs> don't, don't you tempt us? I don't know if that's a challenge that you want to put I, out there. I, I think we. Hey, don't forget. I'm not driving have, if that's all the case. of a sudden Nick Short's gonna be poor. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just, just remember, I think they have those beer bats down there. That's right. Yeah. That's nah. <laughs> We'd love to come down there. We talked about it before. Hey, hey, we'll hey, definitely hey, come hey, down hey. there and invite you. I think I, th- I think I saw they were doing like a dollar beer night. Oh wow. That's where we'll get him. <laughs> <laughs> uh but no, but in a in a in a hundred and sixty two game season, if you average that out, that's how many home runs. Forty home runs. If you if you translate that and tell me that Kobe Mayo could come up and be a 40 home run hitter. And again, this is his first professional year. This is a kid out of high school. His body hasn't fully matured yet, right? Yeah. Remember when we talked about uh, Machado when he was coming second up? Per- and and uh, Second year, isn't it? 
2021. He, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, his so, second yeah. year. You're right. His second year as a pro. He, right? they, they drafted but him in 2020. You remember when we talked about Machado when he was coming up, right? There were and, and Chuck actually brought this point up in, in the chat earlier. And this is a great point, right? Machado, we all talked about the potential, the power potential for the guy. Right now, he's another like 30, 35 home run guy in the major leagues. But he was hitting all these doubles, right? All these balls that were hitting off the wall and whatnot. We said... He's got to become a man, right? He's got to mature into his body, and once he does, he'll be that 30 to 35 home run guy. Well, this kid in his second pro season coming straight out of college is already on that kind of a pace. So that's only going to increase from there. This kid's power potential, I'm telling you, he is going to be a three, four, five hitter at the pro level. Yeah, I think that he's he's the type of kid that we we said in the videos when you listened. And that's why I want to go down there. I want to hear that pop it's, for myself. It's totally different, man. If you it's watch crazy. any of his video clips, any of his highlights, the ball just sounds different. It's the same way with Mountcastle. Ball yeah, sounds different. I think it's one of those things that you're going to be surprised when he comes up. I think I think he, you know, it, his his defense is par, right? Maybe he's just slightly above above par, but his bat the power side of his bat is there. Adit says both Kobe and Gunner could be in the majors before they each turn 22. Over under July 4th, 2023 for Kobe's call. Um I like his trajectory. I'll be honest with you. I need to see I need to see what he does in Bowie. That's what I'll say first. I need to see what he how he started. We've only seen him in Bowie for less than a week at this point. Well, he's only I, one game. Right. That's, but that's what I'm saying. It's is they they haven't we haven't seen enough. If he can make this I'll, a similar translation in Bowie, I think then that's yes, a really it's good possible. I think it's a really good timetable because I think the Orioles are gonna go guns blazing out of out of spring training next year. I think we're gonna have I think Grayson Rodriguez breaks camp as a starter on the major league roster. I don't think mm-hmm. he goes back down to triple A. I think he is in the rotation. I think they go they go after a free agent, maybe two in the offseason this year. So I, I think they're gonna move Kobe along pretty quickly if he continues to perform like this at double A and then triple A. I think, yeah, July fourth next year, a full year from now, we could see that. We could, we absolutely could see that. We've seen what that with some of these guys be able to make a leap. leap oh, that fairly makes me quickly. excited. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, if it, let's put it this way, if he gets up to Bowie and all of a sudden rakes in Bowie, he could break spring training with them. Yeah, you I, know, if he's hitting, if he's hitting what he's hitting now, they'll probably give him till till the All Star break uh, next year, and it, it depends on where they're at with everything. But I think you also don't want to rush a player like that. And while I don't want to do it, he's a guy that if he is hitting 250 with some power like that, well, I'd love to have him up here. If you're one piece away, somebody's going to be interested in him or or Kowser or Norby. The Orioles are going to be in a decision They could be in buy mode this month. Well, they're going to be in decision mode with even their current roster because – if these pieces all pan out the way that we're seeing them right now, especially the younger pieces, and they start moving up and coming up here, right? Some of these guys that are on the current roster is just not going to be room for them. The no. Mancinis of the world, the Santanders of the world, the Mateos of the world, right? Obviously, we all know that uh, Rudnado Door was only going to be a temporary solution, but you're talking about four or five pieces that they're going to have yeah. to make decisions on uh, to get some of these guys some at bats. Good, James. Good. You know, things are turning around when I'm at work at, at the restaurant. And someone's like, can you put the baseball game on? I haven't heard, <laughs> I haven't heard that wow. in like a couple of years. 
And, that well, is good. and you hear them like, man, this is an exciting young bunch of uh, a birds coming up. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I like to go home. I record stuff. I remember watching Ordo games the last two, three years and couldn't be able to watch it because it was so boring, so bad that I would fall asleep to watch an Ordo games. That's yeah. how bad it was. But now I have them recorded. I go home and watch them. I watch them like uh, when they come on, and I actually enjoy them being on the West Coast because with being at work, for you, I yeah, can, I can get home yeah. and watch the whole thing. So it's interesting that you bring that up too because uh, I talked about Brandon Hyde on High Heat with Chris Russo, and Russo asked him, he's like, you know, last year he was like, I was at I was at the Marlins game that wound up taking almost four hours, and you know, it was it was a, it wound up being a slow long drawn out game and Hyde was like but we won it right. and he was like you're right you did you did he's like but now this year you guys are creating excitement you know the fan he's like I was around that fan base he's like when you guys have excitement in Baltimore it, it, it's it's a different level your yeah. fans come out he's like and Hyde gave a lot of kudos to the fans of, of coming out and staying with the team and bearing with everything and now also he gave the fans credit for recognizing the youthful players are coming now, and look, they are guys that they're going to be able to take us to the next level. Yeah. And so it was interesting to kind of see that and interesting for you to hear that as well. Steven says, Santander or Trey most likely move this year? I'll I'll say one. I don't think both, but I'll say really? one. I don't know which one yet, but yeah, I think I think they're in a position now where they need they still need a couple of arms, right? And mm -hmm. if they can move a Santander or Trey for a couple of youthful arms, right, that aren't too far away, some guys at the double A AA or triple A level that, you know, are maybe a, a year or less away. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you get a competing team that sees value in bringing a team leader like Trey, Trey Mancini in, a guy who can, you know, hit for decent average and hit for decent power, especially a short porch in like Yankee Stadium or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. But I don't know. I don't, I don't see him moving on both yet because, again, some of the pieces that are coming and will be here are still probably a year or more away. Mayo being one of them, or not Mayo, but uh, some of the outfield pieces that are a year away. Yeah. I think, you know, they got to make a decision on using out Diaz, too. Like, that guy either needs to get up here and, and get some work in at the major league level or to stay fucking out these. I just, yeah, well, that's the other part of it, too. They just got a lot of decisions to make. Yeah. On a lot I, of roster I think spots. when it comes down to it, I, I, you might not agree with me on this, but I could see both guys going. I mean, maybe. And, and I also could see them not only, you know, being in cell mode with the two of them. But I could see them being in buy mode with pitching if you could get a pitcher, a good pitcher, solid, you know, number two or number three type guy on somebody else's rotation uh, that you could that you could buy and be ready for next year. Right. Uh, because we all anticipate Grayson being back next year. We all hope that John's mean, John Means comes back and is a shell of himself um, and can stay healthy. So if you can buy somebody in preparation for next year, I think that's another thing that, that, that fans need to recognize is we might be in a little bit of a buy mode now in preparation for next year. You don't just buy in the year that you're winning. You sometimes you sometimes you buy for the for the following year. So just just 
pump the brakes on on the idea that we're not going to get rid of either of those guys or that we're going to be selling everybody because we we very well could be in a buy mode type situation. Nick Short says World Series of 2025, so that's still three full seasons away from now. They should 100% be a They'll playoff be a team playoff, within the next year or two. Yeah, going into the deep runs in the playoffs. Well, I say World Series or not. I mean, that just depends on how hot they get in the playoffs. But they should be a playoff contending team every year by then. Adi, you brought me to the last point. When it comes to being a buyer, sometimes it's a buyer in the offseason. Do the Orioles revisit the Correa talks in the offseason? If he opts out, they are in a better position this time around. This You must have missed what I went on. I ran a couple yeah. minutes ago. This is why I was saying I, that Carlos Correa buzz made sense last year was because with this potential lineup, with these pieces coming up, the Gunnar Hendersons of the world, the Jordan Westbergs of the world, the Kyle Stowers of the world, with these pieces coming up, they are that one piece, a Carlos Correa type guy to add in the middle of the order away. And I think Elias saw that, and I think he was testing the market. Not- but this this contract that that Carlos Correa signed, yes, it's a three year deal, but it's really like you said, he's got the opt out clause. He can opt out one. next year. Yeah. yeah. So it it's technically it's it's just it's like a one year deal. One-year deal. Uh, and I think he it makes very, a lot of sense. He very well could, you know, come into that situation and, and us be in that situation that we say, okay, this needs to continue. Yeah, let's go ahead and do it because look, the other thing that that value that I'm sure Elias values that we've talked about valuing. Here's the deal. Here's where Trey, here's what Trey and 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 Anthony don't have. They haven't been through this. Carlos has and yeah. been and seen success. He can teach these guys, these young kids. Hey. I was exactly in your shoes. Are you ready? Because we're about to strap up. Right. And it's going to be go time, and you can't let it get in your head. You can't let everybody out there get in your head, and you got to go. Right. I, I think I think Correa was in a spot where he is ready to sign a long-term deal. Uh, but before he committed that to the, to the Orioles, I'm sure he has a decent relationship with Mike Elias because of their connection in Houston, obviously. I think there was a conversation. Let me see what this year looks like. Let me see what the squad looks like. Yeah. And that's why I say this continued success that they're having right now needs to continue for the rest of the year to showcase that product and to show that they're ready for a piece like Carlos Correa. Any other comments over there, James? Uh, I got something I was going to sh- save for after hours, but um, that's about it. But the thing is okay. that, that I wanted to say was – you guys all forgot like what we have building down at the Dominican, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, we're to, spent and all that. Like that's for us. I, to, that I Dominican think, league is for us to sustain what we're building now. I think we're just starting to build a powerhouse, you know, going forward. Then we got the draft in the, what the eighteenth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we talked about it last week, man. A Next week of, we're gonna break. We're gonna start to break down some names of these guys on that board. It'll be interesting to see what the what way the Orioles go with that, but uh, it could be a franchise changer. Yeah. Just like any other yeah. number one overall pick can be. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, we got to hit that button. <laughs> no rules. No boundaries. Two topics. 30 seconds each. It's time for the two-minute warning. All right, fellas, it's time for the two-minute warning. Uh, I guess James is going to be reading the questions. I'll go first on this week's. All right. Sticking with baseball, did Freddie Freeman return to Atlanta, not warm up your hearts, I guess uh, Scott wrote this, and kind of give you a Nick Markakis vibe? (laughs) Uh, Yes and no. I mean, (laughs) 
the Freddie Freeman thing, what it told me was that uh, he's pissed off at his agent. Apparently, <laughs> he, fired he, he fired his agent. Uh, I don't think he ever really wanted to leave Atlanta. Obviously, he played the, you know, the, the as to the advice of his agent, went out there and played the market. And uh, I think Freddie, Freddie Freeman has some regret about not being in Atlanta. That's what it told me. 100%. I mean, the, 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 everything from the fans, you know, I saw a picture today that, that really some, it was a set of picture is worth a thousand words. And it was all of his Dodgers teammates standing on it. And he's just sitting there like kind of in this like days almost. And yeah, I think he, he truly regrets it. He clearly regrets it. Cause he fired his agent, uh, that everything went sour. And I bet you he had conversations with the Atlanta front office when he got there and they said, look, no hard feelings, but just so you know, this is the type of shit your agent was talking about. It'd be interesting about. to see if they uh, if they pull a trade. Something happens later. That'd, be, that'd be crazy. Go ahead, James. It was announced yesterday that apparently Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell have signed their contract for a heavyweight boxing expedition on July 30th at the Crypto.com Arena in L.A. Who are you taking and why? Uh, you know, Adrian Peterson beats kids. <laughs> I'm not picking Adrian Peterson. He, Le'Veon he Bell actually trained to be a fighter. Like, he was training as a boxer and has been training to be a boxer for a long time. So if I'm going to give the edge to anybody, I'm going to give it to Lev Bell. That's not where I thought you were going when you first started to make that statement. <laughs> so he beats kids. Le'Veon Bell's a kid. Let's go. <laughs> like, no, no. no, yeah, I, I 100% I was ready to agree with you. Le'Veon has, has done and dabbled in boxing. You know, I think he's also the little bit more youthful of the two. Uh, I, I really want to see the stat line between the two. I want to see the reach. I want to see the height. I want to see the weight. Like, I want to see it go. I think it's it's going to be it is going to be you know a heavyweight battle but again it's these exhibition messages we'll see what what's the uh the final main event on that card we'll find out yeah for sure all right guys well we appreciate you tuning in as always sorry it was on a wednesday night but wanted to give scott a breather from coming back from a last appreciated uh we will be back to normal hours in two weeks we are going to take next week off for fourth of july let everybody spend time with their families i don't think a whole lot's going to change the sporting world between now and then uh, if it does we'll put like a little blurb out or something yeah we'll so happy early fourth of july to all of you out there hopefully you guys have a great time celebrating however you do uh drive safely drink accordingly uh we again make sure you're following us on all of our social media accounts if you're not already thomas hit that like button smash that subscribe button turn on your notifications if you haven't already leave us a comment leave us a review all that stuff helps us grow and helps bring awareness to the birdland bs show uh if you want to follow us on social media you can follow me at fred blbs follow scott at scott blbs you can follow james at james bond 2032 obviously you can follow the show at birdland bs again Next Tuesday, we're taking a break for 4th of July, but we'll see you in two weeks. For myself, Scott, James, Drew, happy birthday to you again. Happy birthday, Drew. We'll see you guys. See ya!